Hi, welcome to episode 646 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and next week I'm planning to have Jack Kirby on the podcast. I think it's a very exciting opportunity for dead people to finally be on some podcast. Every week on the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue with the Fantastic Four, starting with issue one and going uh, forever. On this episode, it's The Adventures of Franklin and Valeria, number 11, aka Fantastic Four, volume 6, number 11, released in June 2019. License to Quantum Drive, written by Dan Slott, art by Paco Medina, Kevin Labranda, Paolo Vellanelli, and Juanan Ramirez. We start with something we've never seen before. Above the skies of Long Island, the Fantastic Car, the flying bathtub version, is being driven by Franklin Richards. The Human Torch is flying on alongside him. Johnny says Franklin has been acting very teen angsty lately and asks, anything you want to talk about? Franklin says, uh, can we not do this right now? He says he wants to stick to the mission. Reed detected subspace terrors out on Long Island. Next, Johnny gets called away to rescue a skydiver whose chute hasn't opened. You know, that's awfully convenient of Johnny to be so close by to save a parachuter like that. You know, I can't even tell where the message is coming from. It's just kind of like, does Johnny have an earpiece in his ear? Is it being broadcast over a loudspeaker? It really makes no sense. Johnny grabs the parachuter, takes her to the ground, and sees that the parachute is really, really tiny. She says it was normal-sized earlier. Meanwhile, on Coney Island, Valeria is driving the more modern Fantastic car, and Sue is in the passenger seat. I don't understand why Dan Slott is so in love with these two kids. This doesn't even feel like the Fantastic Four anymore. It feels like a children's book. Bring back Star Comics. We got your book right here. So the two of them are investigating some crystalline structure, which Valeria says is not native to Earth. How does she know that? Just by looking at it? The thing is acting like a prism and shooting a light out, which turns the people on the ground into different colors. There's a red person, a purple person, green, etc. This sounds like it could be the plot of an old issue of Spidey Super Stories. Sue turns the prism invisible, and everyone goes back to being normal colors. Someone yells out, Sue Storm, you're the best! Why are they calling her Sue Storm, her maiden name? She's only been Sue Richards since 1963. Has Dan Slott even read a previous issue of the Fantastic Four before he started? I'm starting to think, eh, no. Back in Midtown Manhattan, Ben, Reed, and the kids are at an intersection where two buses were phasing through each other and got stuck. You know, Dan Slott really likes the concept of people phasing into something and getting stuck. He did this with Galactus and the mountain earlier. So Reed uses his dimensional stabilizer and Ben pulls on one bus and Franklin in a car pulls the two buses apart. Wait, since when did the FF have a car? It's not a fantastic car, just a, it's like a Jeep-like normal car. Why would they even need a car? In 646 issues, have they ever had a car? Have they, have they ever needed a car? Well, now that they need one, there it is. Some lady with green hair calls someone on her phone. 
saying that she'd like to report a major felony being committed by the Fantastic Four. The woman on the other line thinks th thanks the girl for calling. What is this about? And says the FF have stared down every danger in the cosmos, but have never faced a danger like them before. Back in Latveria, construction workers, including the Herald of Doom, Victorious, are working on fixing up the destroyed Mount Doom. Dr. Doom shows up, and he starts taking off his shirt, and says he will toil beside them. Okay, wait. Now I'm convinced that Dan Slott has never read an issue of the Fantastic Four before. The real Dr. Doom is not going to strip off his shirt and start doing menial labor along with his subordinates. Victoria says that he can take off his mask, too. I mean, they've all seen his face anyway, and they still love him no matter what. You know, his supporters love him no matter what he does. He could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot someone, and they would still support him. But then again, I'm guessing Latveria has a state-controlled media, and they are never subjected to fake news about how horrible Dr. Doom is. Doom is like, this is my face, the face I made for myself. And he starts pulling some rocks up out of the ground and says that they were affected by Galactus and now they're radioactive. Well, that's good to have all those people out there working on a hill covered with radioactive rocks. You better go work on a cure for cancer. He seems happy about the radioactive rock he has in his hand and he says he knows just what he'll do with it. Back at headquarters, Fantastic Four headquarters, Alicia's apartment, yeah, really? Reed and the others are discussing the fact that another dimension is leaking onto theirs, which they conclude is the microverse. The doorbell, well, they call it a blue alert, goes off, and there are federal agents at the door. They rush down to the door, answer it, and there's Agent Underhill and Agent Cobb from the Department of Extra Normal Motor Vehicles. What a ridiculous government agency. Is that part of Comrade Trump's Space Force? So the agents have come to test and review all the crazy, extraordinary vehicles that the FF have. And until they do so, the children can't pilot them. Are we supposed to think that's unreasonable? Because it seems fair to me. If I lived in New York City and knew that children were flying planes around the city, it might make me nervous. It's about time the FF had some government oversight. But it is odd coming from an administration that doesn't believe in governmental oversight. The agents say they'll be back in two days. Oh no, what a blow to the adventures of Franklin and Valeria. They can't fly the ships for two days. So Ben and Johnny are going to give the kids some official training. The classes involve discussions of the sound barrier, building an engine, taking tests, all of which Valeria is much better at than Franklin, much to his frustration. And to mine. Later, Franklin is banging the walls, saying, Damn it! Valeria asks him what's wrong, and he says he's upset that he's losing his powers, and she doesn't understand because she's not losing her intellect. You know, I can understand where Dan Slott is going with this story. Women shouldn't be smarter than men. It's just not natural. It's a total abomination. And hopefully at some point in this story, Valeria will learn an important lesson about keeping her mouth shut and knowing her place and... Oh no. This comic is turning me into one of those people. One of those... Comicscape people. 
Oh, I'm going to have to start saying that female superheroes are lesbians, complaining about social justice warriors, slut-shaming female creators, following Ethan Van Skyver on Twitter. I don't want to do that. Oh, well. Go Valeria. Girl power. Ugh. So the two kids have a little argument, and Valeria storms off. So the agents come back a couple days later, and the female agent gets in the one flying car with Valeria, and the male agent gets in the other flying car with Franklin. By the way, the male agent is kind of like a, a portly middle-aged man, and the female agent is a young attractive woman. It's like the casting for every cop show on television. And so they're testing the kids like this is a normal driving test? Check your mirrors? I'm not sure why. The Fantastic Car doesn't even have rear view mirrors. Airplanes don't have rear view mirrors. And one, one agent tells Franklin to use his turn signal. All this is very, very stupid. This book really is intended for very young children, isn't it? It's terrible. I can't believe Dan Slott is going to be writing this for like 10 years, most likely. Suddenly, the ships speed up as the autopilot kicks in and the ships speed towards some new dimensional rift over Central Park. The agents don't seem too pleased, yet they end up going into the rift with everyone else inside. It's the microverse. Reed concludes that the rifts are not naturally occurring. Someone is behind it. And it's probably this next lady who shows up. This is kind of a, uh, a larger sized lady in a green outfit, metal chest plate, orange cape. She calls herself Gargantua. I looked it up. There had been other Gargantua characters before, but this is the first appearance of this female Gargantua. Now that I'm a member of Comicscape, I suppose I should be making fun of how big and fat she is. But then again, Dan Slott did name her Gargantua, so why rub it in? She says that she's the Empress of the Infinitesimal, and adds that she has already begun the enlargement of things. Huh, based on her appearance, I don't think she'd be making anything become enlarged, if you know what I mean. You can already tell that she's supposed to be like a comedic character. Like someone you'd see in a Steve Gerber Howard the Duck comic, or John Byrne issue of the She-Hulk, or Steve Gerber issue of the She-Hulk. It just seems out of place for this kind of character to show up here in the Fantastic Four. She says that she's tired of being consigned to a lower dimension, and the Earth people trod all over them. Johnny and Ben are fighting some creatures from the microverse. They look like giant parasites or viruses. I'm not sure. They look like the kind of thing you'd see on your skin when you look under a microscope. Johnny says that uh, Gargantua and her people are not bigger than them. This is just a side dimension, not a small dimension. Gargantua says that he's lying. She doesn't believe it. Reed says, I'll show you the science. But something tells me you won't accept it. What is Reed saying? You don't have to accept science as actual fact. What a bunch of left-wing bullshit. Reed is so intolerant of people who have alternative facts. Valeria tells the female federal DMV agent what she's doing, creating a magnetic field behind them, which can fold in on all of Gargantua's subspace rifts. Ah, Wesley Crow I mean, Valeria Richard saves the day again. Franklin flies off in a jetpack, leaving his agent alone in the car. Gargantua says that her device is ready, and let the great expansion begin. Judging by her tight revealing outfit, the great expansion has already begun. Immediately, Sue turns invisible, sneaks up, 
and snatches the control pad from Gargantua. And then Franklin pulls out his iPhone and shows Gargantua some pictures of things on Yancey Street, saying that it's much lamer than the microverse. Why would she want to go there? Gargantua is rightfully horrified. She says, point taken. You keep your horrible upper level to yourself. And she gives up. That's it. Franklin saves the day. Yay! And then Valeria reveals that she increased the Fantasticar's maglev output to the max, weaving through the dimensional tears and reversing and sealing the dimensional rift. So Valeria saves the day too! Yay! Girl power! And then the female agent informs her that she failed her driving test. However, wah wah. However, back on Yancey Street, we learn that Franklin passed. So what did we learn from this story? Male drivers are better than... Okay, that's probably not the moral of the story. The agent says Valeria can retake the test in a year. Well, that seems like a very arbitrary rule. She thinks that Franklin is going to rub her nose in it, but he says they're a team and he can drive her wherever she wants to go. They get in one of the flying cars and speed off together. And Sue says, Can you imagine what I'd have gotten up to if I was street and sky legal at that age? Well, we know what she was up to with Reed when she wasn't sheet legal. So Reed says, we did not think this through at all, did we? And that is the end of the issue. So that was a horrible issue. <laughs> On a scale of one to four, I give it a uh, 0.5. I don't know what Dan Slott is smoking or why he's obsessed with the Franklin and Valeria kids. I guess he's hung up on the family aspect of the book, and he's trying to turn this into The Incredibles, where the kids are active members of the team. It's just so crushingly awful. Wesley crushingly awful. You know, I was trying to think what I hate so much about this, and why I'm so annoyed by Valeria. And the thing is, she's now smarter than Reed. Reed, who has always been the most important member of the Fantastic Four, has become useless. What's the point of Reed anymore? If Valeria is always going to be the person to solve every problem, Reed, he's just a stretchy guy. Big deal. It is by far the most fundamental change in the makeup of this book in 48 years. I joke that it's become the adventures of Franklin and Valeria, but that's true. They've become the most important people in the book, and frankly, it's a bit dull, especially Valeria. Franklin has a little character to him, but not the girl. She's smug, annoying, she's just a smartass, and that's all. You know, this run started out okay. This run started out okay, but I've really come to detest this Dan Slott run. And it looks like it's going on its way to becoming my least favorite of all the FF runs. In addition to the writing, the artwork has been pretty bland. There's been a rotating group of artists, so there's no distinctive art style to this run. It's just a kind of a generic cartoony artwork. So now I feel like doing a new segment on the podcast called Internet Reviews. What are other people saying about this book? On the internet, there's this one reviewer, J.A. Flood. I hope that's not his real name. With Comic Watch, he gives it an 8.6. And he says, And so, another good Fantastic Four story, well told, art problems aside, brings us nearly to the end of the first year of the revived FF book. Dan Slott continues to lay the groundwork for what may prove to be one of the FF's most creatively fertile periods. 
What? Lays the groundwork? What groundwork? What creativity? There hasn't been anything remotely new or creative in this book yet. Well, there has been three new female bad guys. Gargantua, Victorious, and the Griever. Huh. Maybe Dan Slott is making a point about women. Also in the review, in the review he mentions how when the invisible woman turns the alien crystals invisible, they've caused everything to change colors, restoring everyone to their natural coloration. He writes, One of the grateful civilians asked her if she can decloak it in time for the Pride Parade. How cool is that? How appropriate that there's a casual acknowledgement of Pride Month in this of all comics. You know, I didn't even mention this line of dialogue earlier because it just seemed kind of random and unimportant. I find it odd in the year 2019 that a person would get so excited about the mention of a pride parade in a comic book. I'm a super liberal person, and I didn't think anything of it. Now, if they finally had Ben Grimm come out of the closet, that would be noteworthy. Unlike with Iceman, it would not be such a shock. Also in the review, the guy writes, Anyway, the other dilemma before our fantastic family is that someone at one of the problem scenes called 911 on a major felony being committed by the Fantastic Four, who were actually there to help. You'd think the FF were a black family or something. This book is getting really timely. <laughs> I didn't think in any way, shape, or form are the FF supposed to be symbolic of a black family in this issue or in any other issue ever. They are a privileged white family who get away with all manner of things that no black person or middle class or poor white person would ever get away with. Letting a child Franklin's age fly around in a flying car around the city, that's the kind of thing that maybe a Baron Trump would get away with or some kind of like Mitt Romney child. Oh, it's such a crazy assertion. So let's check out one more review. This is fun. Charlie Wrigley, Ridgely of comicbook.com how did they get that domain name, by the way? He writes, Fantastic Four 11 starts off really slow, especially compared to the rest of this current iteration of the characters. Fortunately, the back half is absolutely wonderful, a perfect blend of action and comedy, the perfect balance for the FF. Yeah, when I think of action and comedy, I always think of the Fantastic Four. Always got to have that perfect balance of action and comedy in the FF, no doubt. So that is the end of this episode. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download all the episodes at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Bye.